very striking when I was uh, watching the video and then hearing what Clive shared from this email uh, from Iraq, just how both these situations, one encouraging, one um, just purely evil, are, are very, very powerful illustrations of the kind of things that Luke is talking about in the book of Acts. The Lord Jesus said the gospel will go to the very ends of the earth. And he meant then places like Tanjin. He really did. He, and you saw it. And the Holy Spirit empowers people to remain Christians in the toughest of circumstances, whether you're a child or an adult. And that is exactly how powerful the Holy Spirit is. Now turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, and you'll find that on page 909. Or, as I should say nowadays, uh, look up your whatever bit of electronic equipment sitting on your laps. About 20 of you here. <laughs> I need to catch up. Lots of my colleagues use uh, electronic stuff up here. Um, Dick, you've used to use stuff up here. I, I haven't got the confidence yet to do anything other than have bits of paper. One day I will. Now, what's the book of Acts all about? If it does one thing for our hearts... It encourages us. It's a wonderfully encouraging book. I described it last week as the, the isotonic or the leucosade or the iron brew, whatever drink it is that you use to give you a boost. The book of Acts is a great source of encouragement. Encouragement about the certainty of the mission plan of the Lord Jesus. That word certainty is so encouraging to us. The mission plan of the Lord Jesus will, is happening. We saw it this morning before our eyes. And what is it? That the gospel will go out from Jerusalem to the world, empowered by the Holy Spirit through human witnesses. The gospel will go out from Jerusalem to the world, empowered by the Holy Spirit through human witnesses. The key verse, I guess, perhaps in the whole book is Acts chapter 1, verse 8. Just look at that. But you will receive power, the Lord Jesus speaking. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the very ends of the earth. And the book of Acts is structured to show us how that promise is fulfilled. So chapters 1 through 7, the gospel in Jerusalem. Chapters 8 to 12, it moves from Jerusalem into Judea and Samaria. Chapter 8 marks the first big geographical shift of the gospel. Chapter 10, the Gentiles, that is, people who are not Jews hear the gospel for the very first time. And then chapters 13 to 28, the next big movement, the gospel moves out to Asia Minor, into Europe, and to the world, which in the ancient world 
was Rome itself, the capital city of the ancient world. And the promise is fulfilled in ever-widening circles of expansion. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, Asia Minor, Europe, Rome, and China, and Iraq, and Scotland, and Edinburgh. But none of that, none of that could happen, can happen, without the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. And that is our focus this morning, Acts chapter 2, the coming of the Holy Spirit, so all this gospel expansion can happen. For without him, let me just uh, score that at the start, the Holy Spirit is not a force, an it. It's not like petrol in the tank. The Holy Spirit is a person, he, God himself, in us, in our lives, in our hearts and our minds. God himself empowering us and his gospel. So let's read this uh, marvelous chapter about the coming of the Holy Spirit. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 41. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? In other words, they can only speak that language. And how is it then that we hear, each of us, in his own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judah and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own language the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, what does this mean? But others mocking said, they are filled with new wine. But Peter Standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judah and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it is only the third hour of the day, 9 a.m. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. In the last days it shall, God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my Spirit, and they shall prophesy, and I will show wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor and smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness, and the moon to blood, before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. And at shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Men of Israel, 
hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourself know, this Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. Just feel in Peter's words the empowerment of the Holy Spirit as he speaks to the people who crucified Jesus. Verse 24, God raised him, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart was glad, and my tongue rejected, rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, for you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your Holy One see corruption. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will make me full of gladness with your presence. Brothers, I may say to you with confidence about the patriarch David, that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. And being therefore a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him that he would set one of his descendants on his throne, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up, and all that we are witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this day you yourselves are seeing and hearing. For David did not ascend into heaven, but he himself says, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, if the Holy Spirit has empowered Peter to speak with boldness, notice now how the Holy Spirit empowers them to see who Jesus really is. Now, when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, far off in places like China what he's saying. Everyone whom the Lord himself will call. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received this were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. Well, it's a great, great chapter in God's Word. Let's pray briefly that God will speak to us powerfully by His Spirit from it. Lord, we pray that we will learn this morning about the Holy Spirit, who He is, and the sheer power that is availed to us, not only to speak with boldness and with courage, but the power that works in the hearts of those who hear, to cut them to the very heart of their souls, that they might turn and recognize who the Lord Jesus is and trust Him. So speak to us, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, three points you'll see on the service sheet. They're nice and short. The Holy Spirit comes. Peter speaks. People become Christians. Now, just hold on to that simplicity. The Holy Spirit comes. Peter speaks. People become Christians. The Holy Spirit comes. You speak the gospel. People become Christians. The pattern is the same.
today is then. First, the Holy Spirit comes. That's uh, verses 1 through 12. Let me read the first few verses again. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together. Suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty wind, filled the entire house. Divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, what Luke describes here is a very unusual event. This is not normal Christian experience. Luke will show us later on what normal Christian experience is. This is very unusual what happened here. Happened here in Jerusalem, right at the very beginning of the church, and it happened on one or two other occasions in Acts, for example, chapter 8 and chapter 10. What is unusual about what Luke describes? One, that the Holy Spirit comes, or he used Luke's language, people receive the Holy Spirit, or are filled with the Holy Spirit, after they have believed, if you like, as a subsequent event, or a secondary experience. The apostles here were already believers, already followers. And there were others too with them. Luke tells us that in Luke 1.15. But now as a subsequent event, a bit further down the track, as it were, of their Christian life, they receive the Holy Spirit. That is unusual. Normal Christian experience, as we'll see, is to receive the Holy Spirit at the time you believe. When you're forgiven. When you're converted to Christ. That's the first unusual thing. The second is this. The miracle that accompanies their being filled with the Holy Spirit that day in Jerusalem. Verse 3, they were filled with the Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Intelligible languages. We'll see that in a moment. All of a sudden, they found themselves speaking French and German and Spanish or the equivalents in the ancient world. And before that, they couldn't speak these languages. It's a bit like Mark and Camilla going to China and all of a sudden, in an instant, being fluent in Mandarin. It's a miracle. That's unusual. It's not normal Christian experience. Now, what do we make of these unusual events? Why this departure from the norm? Well, think of when these events happen. Here in chapter 2, the gospel is in Jerusalem. When does something like this happen next? In chapter 8. Remember the circles. Chapter 8. The gospel goes out from Jerusalem into Judea. That moment is marked by this kind of special event. And then chapter 10. The gospel goes to the Gentiles. Again, this significant marker moment. And what uh, the Lord Jesus is doing is that at these pivotal moments, the Holy Spirit comes in a special and unusual way. Now, let's look a little more at the details. When did it happen? Well, Luke says the day of Pentecost. The Jewish feast of Pentecost was traditionally celebrated 50 days after the Passover. In Greek, pente means 50. The feast of Pentecost celebrated God's goodness, the renewal of his covenant, and the Holy Spirit lands on the earth on that day. What's the point of that? Well, it's to remind us that the coming of the Holy Spirit, while a new thing, is part of a long-range plan. It's fulfillment. It's promised. They were all together, Luke writes, in one place. Who? The apostles and probably others too. Luke 1.15 tells us that there were about 120 followers by this stage. From the context, not least because the crowd overhears, 
they are gathered in a public place. And all of a sudden, there's a sound like a rushing wind. Imagine that. No feel of the wind, just the sound of the wind. And the appearance of tongues of fire. And immediately we know this is a supernatural event. This is no natural or ordinary stuff. It is supernatural. And these are signs, supernatural signs, of the presence and the power of God. The Holy Spirit is no less powerful now, even though we do not see that power, but here at the beginning we see that power visibly. And the result, verse 4, they were filled with the Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The tongues they began to speak in were intelligible languages. I was uh, in London this week and writing this part of the sermon in, in a Costa Coffee. You may think that's really bad. I write some sermons in Costa Coffee. But there's that hubbub of noise that really focuses the mind. And as I wrote this bit of the sermon, because it was London, London Bridge, Costa Coffee, there were dozens of languages being spoken. Now, before this day, the apostles had not been able to speak these languages. But now they could. And the key thing to understand is that they were intelligible languages. Elsewhere in the New Testament, for example, 1 Corinthians, references made to people speaking in tongues. And that may be a kind of worship language that requires interpretation. But, but that's not what we have here in Acts 2. What we have here are intelligible languages. Now, we know that from what Luke says, verse 3. They were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at this sound, probably the sound of the mighty rushing wind, the multitude came together. They were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. Are they not Galileans? They only speak that language. How is it that we hear as Parthians and Medes and people from Mesopotamia and Judah and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, and all the parts of the world, how, how can we hear the works of God being declared in, in our language. What's going on? In the summer, the population of Edinburgh doubles during August, the festival and tourism. And it's evident when you walk in the town at that time of year that the city is full of people from all over the world. Imagine as people from all different nations are walking on the Royal Mile by Parliament Square in Exeter St. Giles and they heard a sign of a rushing wind and uh, and the modern-day equivalents of the Medes and the Persians and the Elamites, the Spanish, the French, and the Portuguese, whoever they are, suddenly they, they, they kind of get arrested by the sun of that wind, and they gather in Parliament Square, and suddenly they hear their own language amongst all the languages being spoken. That's what happened. And what does it mean? But remember the Lord's promise. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The gospel will go out to every nation and every people and every tribe and every language on the earth. But that day on day one, every people, every tribe, every nation, every language came to Rome and they heard the gospel. And it's a little bit like a, a preface or a preview or a, a little snapshot of the whole of the salvation plan of the Lord Jesus. This will happen. Let me show you on day one that it does. That's what happened. They all came to Rome, and they heard the gospel. And we know, remember Luke's purpose, certainty. 
I want to show you, the Lord Jesus says, I want to show you that the gospel will go to every nation, every language, every person on the earth. Verse 12, they were amazed. So would you, and so would I have been. What does it mean? Somebody at the back of the crowd says, they're drunk. They've been drinking. And Peter speaks. Now, golf is in the news. Maybe some of you have noticed. The Ryder Cup at Glen Eagles. To use a golfing analogy, let me invite us just for a moment to waggle on the tee before we look at what Peter says. Notice the obvious connection, so obvious that we might miss it, between the Holy Spirit coming and speaking. The Holy Spirit comes and Peter speaks. The empowerment of the Holy Spirit means telling. The work of the Holy Spirit is about explaining, making things clear. It's like a horse and a carriage, spirit and speaking. Now, off the tee, verse 14, Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed the crowd. Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, speaks. Peter is not experiencing a force or an energy. He is experiencing God in him, speaking through him. The Holy Spirit is a person, God himself, filling us, Father, Son, and Spirit. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be filled with God Himself, indwelling us. And just think of what Peter is doing. He's standing here before a Jewish audience and is about to tell them that the person they had crucified was God. That takes some bottle and some boldness. And where does the boldness come from? being filled with the Holy Spirit, being filled with God Himself. And so, Peter speaks, and we see through the rest of Acts this boldness that comes from the Holy Spirit. So, for example, chapter 4 in Acts, verse 31, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit, continued to speak the Word of God. And like Peter, the Holy Spirit gives us boldness to speak. What on earth? What on earth can give Christians in Iraq the boldness to hold on to their convictions about the Lord Jesus? Nothing on earth. The Holy Spirit, God in them, the power of God. And what can give us confidence to speak the gospel in our evangelism? It does not come to us naturally. It comes to us supernaturally. And here's the penny-dropping moment for us as Christian believers. Ask God to empower you by the Holy Spirit. Ask God to enable you to tell the gospel. When we become Christians, we receive the Holy Spirit, God indwells us, but we need to keep asking Him to empower us, to help us. 
that we might yield to him. God has given us everything we need to tell everyone we know the gospel. We just need to yield to him. And say, Lord Jesus, give me boldness to tell my neighbor about Jesus. And I wonder just if for us as a church, it's beginning to dawn on our minds that Jesus really, really does mean what he says. I will give you boldness. I will give you this power. What does Peter speak about? Well, he first of all says it's nine o'clock in the morning. They're not drunk. And then he quotes extensively from the prophecy of Joel. Joel said, one day the Spirit of God will come and people will prophesy. That simply means tell forth truth. People will prophesy and they'll have dreams and visions and there'll be signs and wonders and all of it will lead to people putting their faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. And that is exactly what happens in the book of Acts. The apostles proclaim the gospel, they have visions, sometimes they have dreams, and they're accompanied by signs and wonders to authenticate their testimony. What's it all for? That people will see who Jesus is. He quotes Joel, and then he quotes Psalm 16. He does that, a psalm about resurrection, to convince particularly his Jewish audience. But everything that Peter says focuses or nails in on the person of the Lord Jesus. You see, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is associated with speaking, speaking about who? The Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit reveals the identity of Jesus. And no wonder he does, because the Holy Spirit is God. He reveals himself, the person of the Lord Jesus. And so Peter speaks about Jesus' death and his resurrection, his ascension. Let me point you to a couple of verses, 32. This Jesus God raised up, and of that we are witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God. And having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he has poured out this that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. And verse 36, this is a Peter's conclusion to his sermon. And a strong conclusion, isn't it? To these How many were gathered to listen to him? Well, 3,000 were converted. Let's say 5,000. Peter's standing up, perhaps in the temple. His voice empowered by the Holy Spirit. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you killed. What's going to happen now? Two things. One, they're going to turn on Peter. or the Holy Spirit is going to cut them to their hearts. And that, in a sense, is what we're praying for these desperate situations in a place like Iraq. That God's people will hold firm to their testimony, young and old. And as they do so, as they say things like, let all people know for certain that God has made him Lord and Christ, and that cannot change. The Holy Spirit, to those who persecute them, will cut them to the heart. And in our evangelism, as we tell our friends, and some will mock us, 
Some will scorn us and some will ridicule us. And many will simply be indifferent, that hardest of all responses. But for some, the Holy Spirit that has enabled us to tell will enable them to see who Jesus is and cut them to the heart. And that's our third and final point. The Holy Spirit comes, Peter speaks, and people become Christians. Verse 37, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? See what the Holy Spirit does there? John tells us it's the conviction of sin. It's, it's the, re- the reducing of a person to their knees and their heart, if you like, to, to say, yes, we have crucified the Lord Jesus. Yes, we are complicit in his death. Yes, we are sinners. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What do you do if you are cut to the heart? Maybe someone here is cut to the heart. I don't know. You know, because the Holy Spirit is cutting you to the heart. What do you do? You repent. You turn to Jesus. For the forgiveness of your sins. Baptism is a sign of that forgiveness. And at that moment, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And what does the Holy Spirit do for you when it comes into your heart and into your life? Well, lots of things the New Testament tell us. What does Luke tell us? It's a wonderful, wonderful thing. When you have received the gift of the Holy Spirit, verse 38, verse 39, the promise is for you and for your children, for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. What is Luke saying the gift of the Holy Spirit did for these 3,000 people that day who were converted? Go and tell your children. And go and tell people in every part of the world. That's what the Holy Spirit does. It empowers people. One of my most striking memories uh, when I first came to, to, when we were St. Catharines, was going on a university mission in Dundee with someone in our church family who had just become a Christian. They'd just become a Christian a month before, and they were just the wrong person to take on a university mission because you needed to have all the books and all the experience and all the stuff to say. And we got to Dundee, and he was off over the campus telling his, everyone about Jesus on day one. Now, friends, here's a a great encouraging lesson for us as a church. I want us to believe with all our hearts what the Lord Jesus teaches here. The Holy Spirit is a mighty powerful thing. The Holy Spirit empowers us to speak. All of us here who don't naturally have the gift of the gab, all of us here who don't naturally have strong, sociable, relational personalities who can strike up a perfect gospel conversation just over coffee. Who, who just over coffee does that? Nobody. The Holy Spirit empowers us if we yield to him and gives us boldness. And there are brothers and sisters and children in the world today who are being given that astonishing boldness by the Holy Spirit. Just ask Him for it. Yield to Him. And when you tell the simple gospel, the ABC of the gospel, and it sounds so absurd, the Holy Spirit that has empowered you will cut people to the heart and cause them to cry out for the Lord Jesus as their Savior. And it's really, really true. Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, we thank you for this uh, great chapter of your word when the Holy Spirit came. And we pray, Lord, that we would believe. We believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we ask that we would yield to that power and we would speak empowered and with boldness the gospel. And we pray too, Lord, that as we do so, the Holy Spirit would work in many hearts, our friends, our neighbors, folks in this campus, folks in the EH9 part of the city where we witness and cut them to the heart and that many would become clear Christians.